Hey, same old song listeners, as you are filling out your gift giving list, we ask you to also think about making a gift to Mockingbird and same old song. We know that thousands of you are downloading this same old song podcast every week, that it is helping you in your life and your ministry. And we are so grateful to be a blessing to you. And we ask you to help support this ministry, that it continues to grow and to flourish. Jake, why else might somebody want to give their hard-earned cash to Same Old Song and Mockingbird? Well, there's lots of great things that you can give to, but every dollar that you give to Mockingbird uh, goes directly to the proclamation of the gospel and reminding the church of this great message that it's forgotten and reminding the world of this great message which it has never understood. And so partnering with Mockingbird, uh, you are instrumental in getting the good news out to the whole world. Plus, if we stop this podcast, I mean, you're going to have to start writing your sermons again from scratch, and no one wants that. So, Well, they might actually be better. Well, who knows? So, but... <laughs> Ember.com slash support. You can give us a gift one time or set up recurring support like my wife and I have done for years and years. And if you do that, you get a subscription to the Mockingbird magazine, which I can't say enough good things about. So mm. Ember.com slash support. We wish you a blessed Advent. A Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. So get your pledge in as soon as possible. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, we're here, the end of the year. This is like things winding down for some people. Fourth Sunday of Advent will be the last Sunday service they attend in 20. 21, because the next Sunday is Oh no, 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 it's Wenceslas on the Feast of Stephen <laughs> Right? Are you singing that on the 26th? What are you doing, Jake? Are you having a service? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So, but we'll, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's the only time you're gonna you bust can sing out the red. I know, I'm not busting out the red. So anyway, um, uh, we have uh, our. So, how are you doing, Aaron? Oh, thanks. I am recovering. We had a big weekend at St. Albans, celebrate our 75th anniversary, had the bishop visit, had just a lot of things going on, so it was a great time. Jeff Fisher, suffragan bishop of Texas, and listener of Same Old Song. And uh, yeah, he preached a great sermon, had a, we confirmed a bunch of people, and it was, a, it was a really good Sunday. But it did, as you know, Jake, the big weekend like that takes a lot out of you. So, uh, I'm proud you're you know, here. Just proud you're here. Listeners, you should know Aaron's dedication to the mission and to the cause. That's right. So, helping you preach. So, there we go. Jake, what do you, you, right. you ran a half marathon. You've also had a big week. Anything you need to confess? Nope, nope. Things are good. Yeah, I ran a half marathon. And, uh, and we also, the week before, had our big, uh, 
our big carol service, which is always massive. And I think it was the uh, largest event in the Episcopal Church since COVID. So um, it was it was packed and Probably uh, true. it was uh, and uh, but safe. Praise the Lord. We were all safe. And so um, but yeah, it was awesome and uh, beautiful to hear people singing carols and coming out and uh, being a part of the church. Yeah, I got to tell you, at our 75th anniversary thing, we had a whole bunch of people and it was so joyous and you really felt that, that, like you said, kind of like coming out of hibernation or whatever that, that yeah. this has been. And we had a family who has joined the church during COVID, like they started watching our services online. Two parents, two daughters. And at the 75th anniversary celebration, we had uh, one of their daughters, who's almost nine, give a bouquet of flowers to the member of our church who is the only currently active member who was present at our first church service in 1946. She was nine at the time. And so to have wow. the current new generation to the first generation, this kind of, uh, it was it was like not a dry eye in the house. So it was, it was a pretty special night, but I think people are hungry for community and for connection and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, listeners, let us know if you want to drop us a line. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about how your Christmas Eve services go and are people coming back to church? Because there is that sort of narrative about people not coming to church anymore. But I don't know. We'll see what and that's happens. A, and that's a, real, that's a real thing, though, too, you know? I mean, um, I just was uh, with a group of rectors today, and just some of them were discussing taking uh, their services off a line because, you know, there are people that live within a three-block radius that are not coming. And so... Uh, it was an interesting conversation. I mean, I'm keeping mine on. I'm going for the whole, like, um, you know, um, uh, Joel Olstein. I'm going to be the Episcopal Joel Olstein eventually, you know what I mean? Just kind of great television. People totally. watching me at like 2.30 in the morning. Put your hand Hopefully on the we'll screen. So a seat of faith. If um, yeah, The thing is, listeners, clergy, people, uh, if, you, uh, if you give up online streaming of services you will never get it back or it'll be really hard that's right like the fact that you've already mm -hmm. got it going so i don't know keep it up i don't know who am i to I say know. how people should run their church i don't know we're keeping both going in person online we'll see what happens yeah same here so well let's lazy. get in these readings they're, they're get the listeners are getting antsy they're like skipping they're like hitting that little button at like no. advance 15 seconds advance 15 seconds okay now especially the person who's listening to us on saturday night get to it okay to okay all right so yeah. we'll get to it so mike our readings today are micah chapter 5 verses 2 through 5a don't go to b and then we have hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 10 don't go and to then, b for the love <laughs> and then luke chapter 1 verses 39 to 45 and if you're really into it, you're going to do the Magnificat, which is an additional 46 to 55. Yep. So, Micah. So, Micah. So, again, this is the last Sunday before people start coming to church for Christmas Eve. Uh, people are, people are, kids are out of school. People, families are arriving already. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting hyped up as we head towards Christmas, both in terms of people's excitement and also stress levels really high with the shopping and the pandemic and all these things. So I'd say if there's one theme in kind of all these passages, it is uh, that Christmas idea of uh, something surprising coming that's gonna turn over everything in the world, sort of upset the world, turn to quote Hamilton, the world's been 
what is it turned upside down the world is upside down so mm. we get here this little clan of judah bethlehem of ephrathah uh and that the ruler is coming from this unexpected place if you want to preach on this passage it's that's i think that's the and there's a lot of things you can say about this i guess but i think one of the main things is that the the ruler is coming from this surprising place this unseen place and that God comes to you in your life out of a place you don't really expect him. And, it, and then there's this picture of feeding his flock and, all, and living secure. So you have this, this, this vision of peace and health and wholeness and basically everything that everybody wants in life, deep down, real stuff, not like a new TV and whatever, but like the things people really want, like that vision of perfection and shalom and peace and all that coming, coming true, uh, but coming out of a really surprising mm. place, a, a un unseen, unlooked for place. So, Jake, what would you add to Micah? Yeah, and I would uh, talk about too, especially um, is that God is always kind of doing, I think this is one of the themes that flows through all of the readings, and there's an important one for Advent, is that God is always doing the impossible. Um, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's always kind of blowing our minds in the way he works because he doesn't work the way we would naturally think. So uh, the, one of the themes of Micah chapter 5, uh, in the, the previous chapters, it's all been about the redemption of the nation and the redemption of, like, the people. And now you have the redemption of the king. And, uh, and so uh, God is in the midst of taking broken things and redeeming them. And as you said, coming out of places that you wouldn't naturally look. So, you know, Bethlehem is not mentioned um, in the lists of the Old Testament of the tribes of Judah. But here it is mentioned. And, uh, and uh, that this king is going to uh, come forth and he's going to be, I love this, whose origins is from of old, from ancient of days, you know. Uh, as we're going to find out uh, next week before time itself. And so, but God is in, in the business of redeeming and restoring all things. And that's one of the great themes of that, that flows through Micah. And so five is about the redemption of the, of the king of Israel. And so, and so, and if he can redeem that, he can redeem your life as well. Yeah. And so we move now into Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 10, which is, like always, we're picking up these stories kind of in the middle of things. This is an extended sermon that uh, has been written down, likely a sermon written down for us. And this is a short passage about Jesus coming to the world and sacrifices and offerings that people offer to God are really not really getting the job done. And so Jesus is presented instead as this final sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice, the one who, who finishes all the work that we need to do to make us right with the Lord. And this, I think, will really preach, and it will preach to anybody in your congregation who feels exhausted and feels like they're trying to make other people happy, trying to make themselves happy, trying to fulfill some standard of what, quote, they, unquote, want, what people out there in the world want from them. The, the idea of sacrifice here is very much in a Jewish context of sacrifices in the temple. But just because there is no longer a temple in Jerusalem uh, with people offering sacrifices uh, does not mean that people can't relate to the idea of what's going on here. This idea of ourselves offering something to kind of make up for what is lacking, uh, offering something to sort of earn some kind of status 
uh, or justification or whatever it is. And uh, and I think, you know, as I was reading this passage, Jake, I was thinking a lot about women at this time of year, wives and mothers especially. Uh, study after study shows how they still tend to do more of the housework and child caregiving. And uh, if there is an elderly parent in the situation, they often statistically do more of it. And Christmas time is a time when... Again, not always and not everywhere, but wives and mothers, even in the most progressive of households, often end up doing a lot more of the decorating, cooking, gift buying, and present wrapping than um, than a male counterpart. And you you can see this. There's an SNL skit where like it's kind of this song where uh, there's a suburban family and the mom gets gifts for everybody that are awesome and everybody's excited about all the stuff they got and mom just gets a robe like yeah, for the 10th right. year in that's a row. That's a great episode. Yeah, and it, but it does, so it, there are, that's one group of people in your congregation, preachers, that will absolutely feel this burden of I'm sacrificing for other people and it's never really enough. So again, this does not map one-to-one on the idea of sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem. I'm not saying that, people. But if you want to kind of get emotionally connected to your hearers about sacrifices that you keep offering again and again and again, and it just wears you out and never actually reaches the goal that you're trying to achieve, that's, that's, a, that's a, a metaphor in our life that we can understand. And I think anybody can relate to that. And so what Jesus says he's done is that he has, he's abolished this whole system of offering sacrifices to try to make God happy. And then this last verse is just so key. It is by God's will that we have been sanctified. Not we may one day be okay with God if we keep trying really hard, but we have been sacrificed, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's not super Christmassy, I guess, but it is definitely like, I mean, Advent is about what Jesus does when he comes into the world, the first time and the second time. And the first time he comes into the world and he has ended this whole sacrificial system where we try to make God happy. Yeah. I mean, this is the very, this is actually the crescendo of the book of Hebrews, this is the very heart of it, and this is also the very heart of the gospel. And you're right. I think year after year we find ourselves trying to uh, we find ourselves trying to make sacrifices in order to appease the holiday gods, whatever they may be. I mean, you know, I'm just thinking about myself and thinking about my own bank account as I'm watching what's you know unfolding and trying to make sure that everybody has a wonderful Christmas. And. Uh, 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 and the, the truth is, is that, you know, whatever law we're trying to add up to, uh, we can't seem to meet it. Um, but that's because Christ has entered into the world uh, to fulfill the law. And, um, and I love that. He abolishes the first order in order to establish the second. Uh, the first order of relating to God was based on what you do. Uh, the second is now in order that what God has done for you. And what he's done for you is all gift. Uh, what he's done for you is he's died for you, uh, uh, fulfilling all of the law of sacrifice, and he has sanctified you. I mean, that's a very powerful thing, you know. Um, uh, and I think that helps us understand what sanctification, Hebrews chapter 10 helps us understand what sanctification is all about. It's not this ongoing process of you becoming holier, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Mm. But, uh, 
dealing with the fact that you are justified as you continue to come into the dark areas of your own heart, understanding that you are justified as uh, you realize uh, how little you actually, um, uh, how little your sacrifices actually are and how no pleasure God takes in them. And so, um, you know, sanctification is ultimately realizing that you're justified as you continue to come into contact with those dark areas of your heart. And Christ has done it for you. He has abolishes the first in the fulfillment of it in order to establish the second. Hmm. Yeah, so many people think of God as this transactional being that he's counting up how many times you go to church and how many times you swear and stuff like that. And so you got to, if you do bad things, you got to make it up with good things. And this basically means that that's over. And that's still, you know, some people think that's like a basic idea that we don't need to, like people already get that, but they don't. They absolutely don't get that. So I think just hitting that again and again is so important. Yeah, because most relationships don't work on grace. They work on law and demand. Well, and that's, you know, if you think about it in the book of Hebrews, you know, and this is actually what dates Hebrews a little earlier than a lot of people were thinking, because he is talking about sacrifice here. Yeah, the temple is still there. He is talking about as if actually the temple is still there. I mean, if this is later, like some people want to date it, then it would be like me talking about the Twin Towers as if they were still standing. People would be like, your metaphor doesn't make any sense. You know, and this is a big thing people don't understand is that when the temple disappeared, Judaica changed permanently forever. You know, the high, the, um, the high priest became the head of the household and uh, the altar became the, the family table, the, the synagogue table. And, and so, I mean, uh, he, Judaica changed. And, and what he is talking about here is like people are really wrestling with the fact that there is, like, the old Judaica was earthy. It involved screaming animals and lots of blood and smoke and smell and uh, sound and all sorts of things. And now, uh, you know, the, the author of Hebrews is saying, all that matters is a little bread of wine and a little bit of word. Is that it? Yes. And, uh, you know, and we do the same thing. What do you mean? I don't have to do all of these things. You know, I don't have to uh, be 185 pounds and, uh, uh, you know, make time for, like, have have a balanced life and uh, make sure that everything's... Yes, you don't have to. You've been forgiven and uh, you've been sanctified already. And what this does, this word does, is that it frees us up actually to, uh, as uh, uh, our seminarian Chloe Edmondson said, uh, deal, with, uh, deal with your own self. And know that God loves you, not your ideal self. And uh, that is really true and very, very important. And I think what Hebrews opens us up to in this season. God doesn't want to deal with your ideal self. He wants to deal with you. Yep. And, you know, why we've learned a recent thing just now from what you said, Jake. An important thing is that your ideal goal weight is 185 pounds. Uh, mine's I more, know. I'm 165. That's my, I'm not there. That's my goal. Uh, but, 185 was my old fighting weight, my old like jujitsu wrestling weight. I was a beast. So pray for Jake. But also, <laughs> speaking kidding. of beast, if you want to do like, so Jake and I are in the Episcopal Church, so we don't kidding. have a lot of freedom for uh, for liturgical changes. But maybe you're a Bible church or independent church, and you can, you know, you have a worship planning committee. If you want to illustrate what Jake is talking about from Hebrews, you could have sort of like a, sh- a show and tell. I mean, you could you could actually slaughter an animal in church, uh, <laughs> or you could have a communion table with bread and wine and be like, which one do you want? Like, you guys pick. Yeah. A bleeding goat. <laughs> <and they're> like, <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like that Taylor Swift. 
uh, song from the album Red. I knew who had any trouble when he's walked in, and then they replaced the screams of Taylor Swift with the screams of a goat. Anyways. <laughs> okay. That would be... I would... Listener, if you are in a non-denom Bible church and you're going to do that... Please let, let us, us know. know. Tag us. I will. I will fly there and be there to support you. You know so. those other churches you're competing with that are doing those live drive-through nativities. You will blow them out of the water. They will not hold a candle to you and your butchering. Okay. Merry Christmas. Finally, everybody. someone can blow their shofar <laughs> at an appropriate moment. So. Uh, all right. Anyway, we digress. We have okay. So. Luke, you said Judaica. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. <laughs> this is the story of the Blessed Virgin Mary meeting St. Elizabeth, her cousin. And Mary has gone to her house kind of to hide out for a little bit. She's pregnant. And Elizabeth is pregnant too. And Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary is pregnant with Jesus. So what's interesting here is this is that John, there's, there's a lot of interesting and amazing things. We get, uh, if you've ever, if you've ever, if you are or were a Roman Catholic and you've ever said the Hail Mary, you know that this, the line, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Uh, that's where this comes from. And there's also the fact that John the Baptist leaps for joy in utero, in Elizabeth's body, as Mary approaches with Jesus, who's also in utero and this is something that the church for a long time and people like martin luther have noted when people get uh get sort of opposed to the idea of infant baptism because how could an infant ever show faith they're like well look at luke chapter one clearly not only an infant showing faith but a baby who's in gestation in the womb is uh responding to the presence of christ so who do we who are we to say that we know what's going on in the heart and mind of a child in relation to that child's creator uh, when they approach. So, uh, this is, yeah, this is one of those passages of people that are in the favor of infant baptism, like Jake and me would point to. But how would you preach this? That Everything we've said up until now is maybe a little bit esoteric. How would you preach this passage? What would you say here, Jake? Well, I think uh, that there is a, a lot to, to say here in this passage. If I was going to probably hit on uh, two or three things, uh, the first I would say is that the, the, the meeting of these two women, um, you know, uh, you have Elizabeth, who is probably uh, the same age as your great-grandmother at this time, and, uh, and Mary, who is a virgin. You know, we're not even talking about a... Evidently, I've been studying for this particular passage, and I guess if you... If anybody has a baby after the age of 35, it used to be called a geriatric pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so, but this is like geriatric pregnancy to the extreme. Um, this is uh, this is your great-grandmother having, don't picture Drew Barrymore naked, picture, um, you know, uh, yeah, your grandmother um, in pregnant. And so anyway, I was gonna say go, names of actors, but I decided that would be a bad idea. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, but and then so there's this is an Drew impossible. Barrymore. Where the heck did that come from? Like no, deep was it cut. Drew Barrymore? Was she yeah, like? Yeah, that is a deep. Yeah, I'm like, she's not current. No, in not any Drew films. Barrymore. It's uh, who's the one? She was G.I. Jane. Um, oh, she's married to uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yeah, Demi that? Moore. And she Demi Moore. Sorry about that. Yeah, because she was. So anyway. listeners are like, where the heck is Jake going? <laughs> so let me back up and explain what's happening in Jake's head right yeah. now. Demi Moore. 
For those of you who don't know, there were these things called magazines. You still see them in grocery stores or the checkout line. And there was one popular magazine called Vanity Fair. And Demi Moore famously appeared on the cover, pregnant, nude. And so gave us this like iconic image of a pregnant woman because I think nobody had ever done that on a magazine until that time. So that's why you were thinking of picturing Demi Moore, but you said Drew Barrymore. <laughs> and I'm glad we cleaned this up. Yeah, please. We would have got all sorts of complaints. But so the point is, is that you have Elizabeth. This is impossible to be having a baby. And uh, she is visited by her um, her niece, uh, 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 Mary, or her cousin, excuse me. Mary, gosh, I'm just messing it all up. But anyway, her cousin, Mary, who is a virgin. This is impossible to have a baby. Mm. And these two women come and uh, and the impossibility of God uh, to save the entire world is being realized in this very moment. And uh, literally, um, uh, Elizabeth, I mean, literally, I mean, addresses her properly. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And, and uh, you know, and this is very powerful. I mean, it is not about Mary. It is about what's going on in Mary. And so, um, but the impossible is being manifest right here. God's impossibility to save the world. Yeah. And uh, Mary makes this very bold cry, which is reflective of uh, other bold cries that you hear in the Old Testament, all about how God works to fulfill his promises. Yeah. If you do preach on this passage and do talk a great deal about the miraculous nature of Elizabeth's pregnancy and how she was not able to have a child for a long time and then miraculously has been granted that ability and that reality uh just again preachers be aware uh that there are women in your congregation that are actively dealing with infertility issues at this very moment or did in the past and have don't, so, don't, so just don't just don't make the, don't the point don't is don't the impossibility yeah. of the whole thing yeah that's right and this i wasn't is, correcting you jake it's for the I salvation can, of the world i'm imagining a preacher being like god can do anything and like give you a baby and then there's like yeah, don't don't here's do that another cool, Here's another cool fun fact about the book of Luke, of the Gospel of Luke, is that um, so the tradition is is that Elijah always would precede the the Messiah, and Luke's book is built in that way. Um, yep. Luke's Gospel, so it begins with um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and the announcement of John the Baptist, and then the announcement of Jesus. And then this very moment where John jumps in the womb, and then uh, uh, then the birth of, of John, uh, the birth of John the Baptist, then the birth of Jesus, and then you don't see again until John the Baptist appears in the River Jordan, followed by Jesus and his ministry. Then John is beheaded. Jesus faces his pushback, and then you have the Transfiguration, where Jesus is met by Elijah and Moses, and then it moves to the crucifixion. And uh, very, very powerful. But this is basically uh, Elizabeth and Mary represent the impossibility of God at work here. Yeah, little good biblical theology there from Jacob Smith, ladies and gentlemen. The other thing here that we, um, the Magnificat itself, which is this poem optional to include, it's, it's a hymn, it's a canticle that's used in uh, the Anglican tradition as part of the daily office. Uh, and it's really well known. It's called the Magnificat, and it's this: "My soul magnifies the Lord." It's G it's Mary's response to this reality that she is beginning to really grasp that she is bearing the Son of God, and because Elizabeth has said to her that 
the mother of my Lord is coming to me. This is what Elizabeth says. So Mary's response is, my soul magnifies the Lord. She just points to God. It's nothing about her own greatness. She's only realizing her lowliness. And then goes into some stuff like the social implications of Jesus, which sounds, it's like a little bit, it's a little bit, it's like a little communist. I mean, it's like, you know, the rich are going to lose everything and the poor are going to get, get it. And uh, the hungry are going to get all the good things and the rich are going to be sent away empty. So it's kind of eyebrow raising, pearl clutching stuff here. Uh, and it just, again, mm. means that God comes from the outside, turns the world upside yeah. down. And instead of a system where good people work hard and get rich and succeed, actually, God is really interested in the poor people. And, um, uh, and those who have nothing are going to receive from God. And so this, this is where you can, because everybody in your congregation is going to feel, um, is, is feeling lowly this year. They were feeling it last year, but they're feeling it again. Thanks, Omicron. Thanks, uncertainty. Thanks, family. Thanks, whatever. I mean, the depression from COVID, the studies that are coming out now, people are just struggling. Um, really difficult to read article in the New York Times last week about uh, um, websites that are cropping up to help people know how to take their own lives. Uh, there's just, even though we're supposed to be coming out of the pandemic, the grief has not been processed, the trauma has not been dealt with, and people are depressed. So if you are preaching this, I would definitely say that if you are hungry and empty and you've crawled into church like on fumes, then this is for you. Jesus has come to help the lowly, not to give cheering to the people who are doing okay and just tell them to do better. He's come for the people who are empty. And if there's a word there, it's that. He's filled the... the he, the rich he sent away empty and he's filled the hungry with good things. And, and the other word, I'm just, you know, when you said that, I'm reminded of an old uh, Luther quote. He said, uh, he said, where the gospel is, there is also the cross. And uh, that, that's a real truth. And you see that here in the meeting of these two women. And we see that here in our very own lives. You know, um, uh, 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 where Christ is, there will always be a cross, even, even in the manger at Christmas. But, you know, uh, blessings come with the cross. Mary right here, she is, I mean, Elizabeth declares her to be blessed. But in the midst of that, she's dealing with the scandal and all the doubt that entails of being a virgin mother. You know what I mean? You know, uh, I could just picture Joseph coming home from the construction site. You remember that comedian Sam Kennison used to say this all the time. I just picture Joseph coming home from the construction site saying, you know, uh, Mary, I totally believe you, but you don't know what I'm going through at work. You know, um, and you know, he's like, I could just picture Joseph out on the front lawn throwing the ball with Jesus and saying, "Son of God, you better be the only Son of God." And so, but, but that's true. Where there's the gospel, is there's always the cross, and you know, uh, and blessed also is the fruit of your womb, Jesus, her son Jesus. He's the blessing for the whole world. But how is he the blessing of the whole world? Well, he's the blessing because he dies and he bears our sin. And so he is blessed to be a blessing to the whole world through his death, which, as we remember on the cross, is going to break dear Mary's heart. But blessing and the cross, and this is the good news as we move into the Christ- to Christmas, are, are together in this age and in this life. And... Uh, and in the midst of all of that and the crosses that we're bearing, we can trust that God is working out all things for the good for those who are called, including you, according to his purposes. And so these ancient promises are, are revealed and they are, and they are given and they are true. Mm. 
Well, and I will say one more thing, just uh, people, if you want to hook on where to preach this passage, I think if you want to say this line where God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant, that's a gospel, that's the gospel right there. In that, mm-hmm. we think God looks with favor on our accomplishments. God looks with favor on the places where we've done really well. And there are places where you're lowly, you spend most of the time in your life trying to hide those things. But here it says that God knows those things and actually looks with favor on them in that this is the place where he's going to work in your life. Uh, This is the place where you will find him mighty to save. Which is sort of just saying what you already said, Jake. So I just want to add that. But I think it's always good to give people kind of a a one thing to grab onto in a sermon and looking with favor on the lowliness of a servant, not on the accomplishments of a servant. That's a good thing to say. All right, well, that's well, uh, that's what we got for the fourth day of amen. Advent. Light that fourth candle. Get ready to light the fifth one in the middle. It's coming up. Get some rest. Stay hydrated out there, clergy. Don't do too much. And uh, may yeah, the Lord stretch. be with you. Yeah, stretch. Yeah, stretch. Stretch. Posture. Keep it. Keep it. Keep your back straight. Okay. Right. See you soon, guys. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.